you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't, the scripture is printed up here on the slide. It's also on page 6 in your bulletin. There's a place to take notes on page 7. We're going to be reading the whole Lord's Prayer, but focusing today on verse 13 as we end this series on praying that meets God. So friends, listen. This is God's word. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. If you read the Bible at all, develop as a practice at all the Bible, um, there are times when you read it and you just don't understand what's being said. Okay? And then there are verses that you read and they just sort of jump off the page at you. Right? Like, I want to share one with you. Romans 7, verse 15. Look at this. It says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Can anybody relate? <laughs> I remember the first time I read this verse. It was about 20 years ago, and I was just reading through the Bible, and I came across this, and I thought, How did he know? And I was like crossing out the I and then putting Stephen, you know, doesn't do the things that he, he wants to, but he does the very things. It was crazy. It just jumped off the page at me. And as I began to read more, I, you know, I stopped and I thought, wait a second. You know what? This, this certainly speaks the cry of my own heart. But this was written by the Apostle Paul. Okay? This is written by one of the 12 people that Jesus chose to represent him in the world. This was written by a guy who wrote half of the New Testament. And this is his experience. Paul said, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And Paul understood. He knew temptation and evil. It's interesting because as Jesus finishes his teaching on prayer. You know, as we've gone through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has been teaching us, and he ends this prayer by teaching us to acknowledge the existence of evil. Okay, he invites us to recognize the existence of evil, and he teaches us to pray about it. It's interesting. When we do this, when we do what Jesus tells us to do, when we pray like this, Jesus teaches us to bring our temptation to God so that we'd be able to know God better and then to not give in. Okay, so this is what we're going to see today as Jesus teaches us to pray. So we're going to have three points. The first point is that temptation is universal. Okay, so you want to take notes. Temptation is universal. I don't think this is a point that I need to necessarily prove. I think most people wouldn't argue with this. Um, temptation is universal, right? It's that voice. 
in your head that comes out of nowhere, right? You're minding your own business, just kind of doing your thing, and all of a sudden, you're thinking about something evil. You're with somebody, and you have a thought either about them or about what you want to do to them, um, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right? We experience that. You think of something that you would never, ever do or something you'd never want to do again, right? And it just comes at you from out of nowhere. Right? Temptation, it's also those, the emotional overreaction that we experience where something happens and all of a sudden we fly off the handle in anger and rage and we kind of stop and go, whoa, where did that come from? Right? Or um, we face a situation, all of a sudden we're overwhelmed by fear. Right? Significant emotional overreactions are often the voice of temptation. And when we experience these things, it leaves us feeling like Paul in Romans 7.15. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. This is temptation. And so it's universal. Everybody experiences this, right? If you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, we've all had that experience. And if you've had that experience, Jesus is speaking to you today. Jesus is saying, hey, I understand about temptation and evil, and I want us to talk about it. I want us to talk about it. And so what's really important about temptation and evil is to understand how temptation works, right? Because the key isn't so much just knowing it's universal, but the key is knowing how it works. We want to be able to identify it so that we can fight against it. Now, the Bible talks about the devil. Okay, the Bible talks about the devil. It's a spiritual being who tempts people. And the devil is called Satan. And it's interesting because the, the names of Satan, they sort of teach us what the devil does and how temptation works. Um, do you know what the word Satan means? There's actually a dictionary definition. You can look it up. Okay, uh, the, the Satan in Greek, it, it meant a liar. The word Satan means liar. And it's important to know that because that's exactly how he tempts. Okay, Satan tempts us by lying to us. His primary tactic is to lie to us about life, about ourselves, and about God. And so let me just share with you, let's go over some of the lies. The devil's lies, they're designed to lure us into sin. And so he'll say things like this. It's not that big a deal. No one will find out. Because you're not hurting anyone. many of you have heard these lies before? Everyone else does this. You have every right to be this angry. Right? That voice. That self-justifying voice. Or, you know what? They don't deserve to be forgiven. These are lies that Satan speaks to us to draw us in. These things feed our selfishness. They feed our sense of vengeance. And so he lies to lure us in. You know, it's like a fisherman 
with a lure, hangs the bait or hangs a lure out to draw the fish out of the safety of the rocks, to lure them in. But then, but then, after Satan lures you in, he then turns on us with lies that accuse. Okay? So Satan means liar. The word devil means accuser. Okay, the word devil means accuser, and that's what he does. He then jumps on you with accusations that are designed to enslave us in sin. So his lies lure us into sin, and then his accusations enslave us in sin. And this is what he does, right? He promises you the world. Man, if you do this, you'll be happy, you'll be content, you'll feel better about yourself, you'll feel free, you'll feel like you've gotten rid of the shackles. Come on, you got to do this. This could be the greatest thing ever. And then you do it. And he says, how could you do that? Are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? I can't believe you did that. I'm shocked. He says, you are evil. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like, huh? Like, what just happened? And he begins to accuse you. He is the liar and the accuser. And he says, God, God is so disappointed in you. Yeah, God might, he's really disappointed because of what you've done. He says, you're worthless. He says, you are never, ever going to change. You are never going to be rid of this. You will never be free from this. You cannot get out. Because you did it again. And again. And again. And again. Then they'll say, you know what? You need to fix this if you want God to love you. Because God hates sin. So if you sin, God hates you. And unless you fix this, God is not going to love you again. These are the accusations that the devil makes to us after we give in to sin. And this is one that's plagued me, I mean, significantly. Yeah, God forgives, but not this many times. Because Jesus, that seven times seven, that's just a figure of speech. It doesn't really mean what it says. This is what the devil does. He attacks us. And his lying accusations, they make us feel enslaved to our sin. And friends, I'm here to tell you on the authority of God's word that everything that the devil says to you is a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. If you've ever felt this way, either one of these lists, you have been victim of the temptation and the accusations of a liar of someone who wants to keep you in sin and keep you stuck there, right? And this is what he does. Now, it's important, too, because Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we want to understand how temptation works. We want to acknowledge the existence of evil. And when it comes to that, if we're going to be fair and talk about the sum totality of temptation and evil— we also have to talk about abuse. We've got to talk about abuse. Okay, because there are times when 
when the reason we sin is because we give in to temptation. The reason that we struggle with evil is because of decisions that we've made. But the reality is, man, there are times where the evil that we're suffering from, the evil that we are plagued with, is something that has been done to us. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse. These are things that wound and scar. These are evil that gets perpetrated against people who don't deserve it. You have to understand that sometimes the evil that enslaves us, the evil that might be enslaving you, could be the result of something that was done to you. Something that was done to you. We have to recognize that. Because when when people are abused, there are reactions, there are coping mechanisms, there are ways of responding that that lead us to live damaged lives, that lead us to live lives where we don't experience the fullness. And what happens is, is that the devil, the devil lies to us in that. The devil says, you deserved what you got. You asked for it. Or you know what? You're not worth any better. And these things cause incredible damage to us as we live, as we try to relate to people, as we try to live in God's world. And so, Jesus wants us to recognize, he he brings temptation and evil to the forefront as he's teaching us to pray because he doesn't want us to be caught unaware. One of the greatest tactics that the devil uses is stealth. It's stealth, he hides. In the movie Devil's Advocate, Al Pacino plays the devil in this incredibly masterful role. And this is what he says. I'm a surprise, Kevin. They don't see me coming. This is the devil's best attack. It's a surprise attack when you just don't see him coming. You don't know until it's too late. And so Jesus, he's teaching us to pray about these things. He teaches us to pray so that we will see the devil when he comes. So that we will hear the devil and expose his lies before we give in to him. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are waking up to these realities in our lives. And we're turning to God for help. Okay? When you pray this prayer... Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You are waking up. You're waking up to the reality of temptation and evil in your life, and you are turning to God for help. So, temptation is universal, which brings us to our second point. Temptation invites you to see God. 
Okay? Temptation invites you to see God. Jesus has us pray about temptation and evil because he wants to deliver us. Okay? That's why. The reason it's in the prayer is because Jesus wants to set you free. If you're struggling with temptation, if you are in the throes of evil, Jesus wants you to pray about it because he wants to set you free. We tend to respond to evil, to respond to our sin, to respond to temptation by hiding. We do something wrong and we hide. We hide from God, we hide from our friends. We experience certain kinds of temptations and we hide. I don't want anybody to know I struggle with this. Man, what would they think about me if they knew that I struggled with this? And so our tendency is to hide. But Jesus says, look, bring your temptation and evil to me. Jesus says, bring it to me. This is part of the uniqueness of Christianity. Right? God is holy and perfect and just. And yet, and yet, God invites us to come into his presence and bring all of our baggage to him. He says, come as you are. What's amazing about Christianity is that when you do that, God can turn the tables on evil. He does turn the tables on evil. When you bring your temptation and the evil that has been done to you or that you have done, and you bring it to God, God turns that into an opportunity to know him better and to be set free. This is why God does this. Now, if you're new to Christianity, you might be thinking, well, is it safe? Right? Is it safe to bring my temptation to God? Right? It's a good question. It's a legitimate question. And so I just want to share with you some of the things that just this book of Matthew says about God. Okay? It says that Jesus came and was God in the flesh. Okay? And in Matthew 1.21, it says, the angel says to Mary and Joseph, you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So, here's what you need to know about God. God came to earth knowing that you were a sinner so that he could save you. Okay, just know that's true about God. Then, in Matthew chapter 3, it says that Jesus came to the river Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. People who were confessing their sins were coming to, to John and were saying, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness, I need a fresh start. And John was pouring water over them to cleanse them from their sins. Jesus came and entered into that baptism. Not because he had sins of his own, but because he was saying, hey, world, do you want to know who my people are? It's them. It's the people who admit that they're sinners. They're my people. I'm identifying with them. I'm with them, okay? So this is, again, the picture that, that the Bible wants you to have of God in terms of your temptation and your evil. Jesus says, if you're honest about your temptation, if you bring it to me, you are my child. 
that's what I want you to do. Okay? In Matthew 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert and was tempted there for 40 days and 40 nights. So again, wonder of wonders, our God experienced temptation. He came to save sinners. He identified with sinners. And he experienced temptation the way they do. And so Hebrews 4.15 says this. This is talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest. And a high priest was someone in, in Judaism that, that could mediate between God and sinful people. Okay? And so this is talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So you know what this means? Jesus understands and sympathizes with the struggles that you have. He's not unable, or he is, yeah, he's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have a high priest who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So there's some people who read this, and they go, oh, see, he never sinned. Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be me. That's not what this verse says. This verse says the opposite. It says that Jesus was tempted in every respect like you were. Jesus has experienced every temptation that you have ever experienced. And it's interesting because I think with Jesus, his temptations are actually even worse because the thing about temptations is that sometimes they're like this escalating, ratcheting up of intensity, right? And the longer you resist, the harder it becomes sometimes, right? Well, so when you give in, tension gone, right? So for Jesus, he's experienced all of your temptations to the nth degree because he never, ever gave in. So he really understands the temptation that you experience. He knows what it's like to be frustrated. He knows what it's like to be tempted to be bitter. He knows what it's like to be impatient. He knows what it's like to feel like you're pulling your hair out. He knows what it's like to, to have, I mean, just the, the difficulties that you experience at work, in the home, in your community. He gets it. He knows what it's like. You can read the Gospels, and you find these amazing stories of Jesus, and you go, wow, he really does. He has been in the situations I've been in. Because he understands our temptation. He knows exactly what it's like. And so this passage in Hebrews goes on. The next verse says, let us then, so if this is the case, if verse 15 is true about Jesus, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Jesus understands, you can come confidently into the presence of God with all of your temptation. There are amazing times where I've done this, where I've gone to the Lord and said, Jesus, man, this is so difficult. I am so frustrated. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do next. This situation is broken, and I don't see a way out. 
And I feel like Jesus is looking at me and going, I know. I know what it's like for you to be in that situation. And I'm here to help. So I say, well, Jesus, what do I do? And Jesus says, well, have you thought about this? Okay, let me think about how that would, I mean, it begins this conversation, but it starts with Jesus looking me in the eye and saying, I know, I get it, I understand. It really is difficult. This life feels like a desert, and I'm here to help you get through. That's the throne of grace. That's the mercy and the grace to help that we need. And here's the good news. The good news of the gospel is this point here. That Jesus helps, Jesus saves us before success. So before you actually respond the right way to temptation, Jesus saves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus adopts you into his family. Jesus makes everything okay before you ever resist temptation. Okay? Because the cross saves before success. Romans 5, 6 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to save us. Jesus didn't come to put us on a rat race where if we do enough good stuff, then maybe God will love us. Hear me, friends. When it comes to temptation and evil, Jesus loves you and saves you before you do anything right. You can sit forgiven right now and know that your relationship with God is clean. Because Jesus went to the cross and he died for your sins. For every time you gave in to temptation, Jesus died. He purchased forgiveness for you. He paid the price that we should have paid so that you can come to the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. Friends, this is the truth that you need to memorize so that you can fight against the voice in your head. When Satan comes and accuses you, you need to tell him to take it up with Jesus. And when we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died, he brings forgiveness. The cross saves before success. And it's just, it's important for us to again, take a look at Jesus. Because on the cross, on the cross, if Jesus prayed, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. On the cross, God told him no. So that he'd never tell you no. God delivered Jesus into evil 
He was made sin for us. God delivered him into evil so that he could deliver you from evil. That is good news. Because if you're here today and you feel like you need to make progress with this one temptation if God's going to love you again, that's not the gospel. That is not the good news of Jesus. Jesus says, as you are, I love you and I died for you. And you need to get that right before you do anything in response to your temptation. Are you with me? So now we can go to our third point. The cross saves before success, but the cross also enables success. It enables success. So our third point, after temptation is universal, temptation invites you to see God, our third point is that seeing God conquers temptation. Seeing God conquers temptation. Because when you see Jesus on the cross right now, if you're like me, strength wells up in you. A hatred for sin, right? There's temptations that you're thinking about right now that you deal with, and you think, man, why would I ever give in to that? Right? Right now, you feel strong. But what are you going to do tonight? What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do at work? What are you going to do at home when that familiar situation comes? Friends, we need to be continually seeing Jesus. Jesus is teaching us here. We need to be praying this prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you've got to see Jesus again tonight. You've got to see Jesus again tomorrow. And so, because if Jesus is the answer, then prayer is the connection. Prayer is what brings you into his presence. Right? When you pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you are bringing God into the relationship that you have with temptation. Because right now, there's a dark room where you and your sin are together. And in that dark room, you feel pretty powerless. It seems pretty overwhelming. And I think compared to you, that sin and temptation is powerful and overwhelming. But when you pray this prayer, you're inviting God to enter the room with you. And when he comes in his blazing light, his life-giving light, all of a sudden you're not alone anymore. When you pray and you invite God's presence God is everywhere, right? He sees all things. He is reigning now. When you pray, you are acknowledging that. You're connecting with him. You are understanding that he actually is with you. And when you do that, he, it, it's figurative. He enters into the room with you, and all of a sudden, this temptation is not that strong. I love God. I just forget sometimes. You with me? Right? I hate sin, but I, I forget that too. You know, I hate how I feel after I sin. 
But I forget that too. (laughs) But when I pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, it's like it reboots. Oh yeah, that's right. God, you're with me. God, I love you. God, I hate to sit. God, I hate temptation. I hate what it does to me. I hate what I have to do afterwards. I hate the confession problem. I mean, all of that. God, I hate it. And Lord, your presence is here. I have your strength. And all of a sudden, everything's different. Everything's different. God comes in, and his presence will strengthen you. And so, you pray, lead us not into temptation. What this means, this means don't let us succumb to temptation. Okay, that's what that means. It means don't let us succumb to temptation. It's like saying, help me not to fall. God, help me not to fall into temptation. Francis Schaeffer, one author, he said this. It was really helpful. He said, the earlier you pray this, the better. Right? The earlier you pray this, the better. He said this. He said, it's often too late to say, help me! after we've walked into the temptation. It's true. I mean, in my experience, I've talked about this before, there's a line, and I, you know, when I cross that line, I haven't sinned yet, but I'm going to. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, at that point. And so, when I, I mean, I have prayed this prayer on this side of the line, and it does no good. Because I've already said yes, you know, I just haven't done it yet. I've already said yes in my heart to it. There's a, you know, we need to pray this prayer over here on this side of the line. Even better than that, over here. And, and how about over here? How about in the morning when we wake up? Lord, you know my life. We've been through a lot together. Um, these are the temptations that I'm going to face today. In the office at home, with my spouse, with my kids. This is what it's all about. And th- these, are the, these are the battle lines. Lord, please, help me now. Help me now. I need your presence now. When I do that, so much easier. I don't even go over there. My life is a totally different trajectory. Jesus even says this. He says later in Matthew 26, he says, He says, watch and pray so that you don't succumb to temptation. He says, watch for it. Be on the alert. Right? When we pray this prayer, we're waking up to the reality of evil and temptation in our lives. So Jesus says, watch and pray. You know the places where you struggle. Watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. And so God, help me not to fall. That's lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. When I do fall, please get me out. Please get me out. This is what we're praying, right? We're saying, God, you are the deliverer. Jesus, you have conquered sin and death in the cross and the resurrection. You died, you took on the penalty of sin, and you came out on the other side. You live forever now on the other side of the grave. Eternal life is yours. Jesus, save me from this evil. When I fall, please get me out. 
Another author, Max Licato, said this. It's interesting because he says, when you read this part of the prayer, he said, is such a prayer necessary? He says, would God ever lead us into temptation? I'm like, yeah, why are we praying this? God's not going to do that. The Bible says he doesn't tempt us. And then he goes on, he says, these words trouble the most sophisticated theologians, but they don't trouble a child. And this is a prayer for the childlike heart. He said, this is a prayer for those who look to God as their father. This is a prayer for those who have already talked to their father about provision for today, give us this day our bread. They've already talked to their father about yesterday, forgive us our debts. And now the child needs assurance about protection for tomorrow. He says, imagine a father and a son walking down an icy street. The father cautions the boy to be careful, but the boy is too excited to slow down. And he hits the first patch of ice. Up go his feet, down plops his bottom. And the dad comes along behind and helps him to his feet. The boy apologizes for disregarding the warning, and then, tightly holding his father's big hand, he says, keep me from the slippery spots. Don't let me fall again. Friends, as we pray this prayer, that's what we're doing. We're reaching up to our Father in heaven, and we're just grabbing onto his hand and saying, keep me from the slippery spots. Don't let me fall again. The last thing I want us to see is just the one word. It's repeated twice in this last verse. It's the word us. It's the word us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is inviting us to have a personal relationship with God. One where we can reach up and feel like we're holding on to him and we can feel his presence with us. But Jesus also knows that we can't do this alone. We can't fight temptation alone. We need each other. We need to be praying for us. And we need to be talking to us. And one of the best ways for you to grow in your ability to succeed in temptation, to conquer temptation, is to talk about your struggles with someone else. I'm not saying to publish your temptations on Facebook. I'm saying to have some friends a brother or a sister, where you can sit down with them and say, this is what I struggle with. One of the most powerful ways that God enters the room with our temptation is through us confessing our sins to one another. The Bible says that there is nothing that you're experiencing in temptation that's not common to human beings. What you deal with is common. And I don't say that to make you feel bad. I say that so that you would know that you're not alone. That God is with you, and so is the church family. Like This is a place where we need to be as open and as welcoming and as accepting of other people 
as we possibly can be. This is why we have community groups that meet during the week. Sometimes it's appropriate to mention it to the whole group, but sometimes your community group is just going to be kind of an incubator where you can meet people and then know, okay, I want to grab this brother or this sister and just sit down with them and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. There is incredible power when someone else knows about what you're struggling with. And so Jesus says, look to me and don't forget us because you're not alone. Friends, let this week be a time where your temptations lead you into God's presence. And if you don't know Jesus today, if you've heard that voice and you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to overcome temptation in your life, you need to come to the cross because that's where Jesus crucified your sin and he will set you free. Talk to the person who brought you. Come talk to me after the service. Um, And we'd love to introduce you to Jesus and help you walk with him. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we remember that it's your name that we want to see hallowed. It's your kingdom that we want to see come. Father, we want you to be exalted. We want the world to know how good you are, how glorious you are, how gracious you are. And we thank you. We thank you for the cross of Jesus. We thank you that you entered into our temptation, that you suffered for our sins, and you set us free. Lord, we're reaching up right now with our own temptations. We are reaching up and grabbing hold of your hand. Enable us, God. Enable us to bring you into our temptation and find strength. Enable us to pray this early this week. And Father, give us the courage to bring a friend into our struggle so that we can find your power multiplied as we act like your family. Thank you for Jesus who was delivered into evil so that we could be delivered from it. Amen.